Uh, welcome back to State of the Revolution, the Michigan Progressive Podcast. It's me, Benjamin, um, Benjamin Klon, and we've also got with us uh, Ricky Reynolds. Hi. And Matthias Bremer. Hello. And uh, Lansing City Councilor and longtime friend of the pod, Brandon Betts. Hello, comrades. <laughs> hey, Brandon. You know, I think this is your first time being on here since uh, since you were sworn into office. Is that right? Well, technically, the one that you tried to tape uh, yes or last week. We don't we're, we don't talk about that. There. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I made a mistake. Yes, I think it has been a while, so I'm excited to update everybody on the uh, exciting world of city council life. As our listeners would probably know, uh, our last episode we did was with my brother Samuel Klon, who uh, started the Lansing Area Mutual Aid. Uh, or Lama and uh, Brandon, I believe you are you you are working with him on that as well, right? Yep, absolutely. Okay, so uh, I thought we would take the first uh, part of this show to kind of talk about what Lansing Area Mutual Aid is doing and how that relates to the city government, uh, which is kind of your thing. Yeah, that's an interesting question. So I we all designed. Uh, Lansing Area Mutual Aid to at some point be connected to the city government in, in, in the form that it is. So once everything gets off the ground in a couple of days when we're when we're 100 percent, I'm actually going to connect it through our neighborhood networks and systems and also connect it to the city so that everybody knows that the resource is available and then we can start filling in more volunteers and things like that. So in, in my vision of this thing, I think that mutual aid, you know, I said this during my campaign. I said this here. I've said it everywhere. Mutual aid is the key to surviving a crisis and to build power in the people and to build up uh, some sort of revolution, it has to come from mutual aid at its base. And I, and I believe that, and that's one of the reasons why I felt that this project was so important, because we need to have this basis to be able to develop a system we want to live in. Yeah, that shit go off. So uh, as of uh, a couple days ago, uh, Lansing now has a tenants union, uh, which is really, really, really fucking cool. And uh, I think that was uh, Ricky, you've been involved in starting that. And Brandon, have you been as well? Um, I have not been one of the main organizers, but I am tangentially related to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am very supportive. I just You're decided, also uh, a member, correct? Yes, as a renter I, yourself? I am also a member as a renter in this fine home that I live in. Mm-hmm. So, Ricky, yeah, could, yeah. You, uh, could you explain for our listeners uh, why uh, this, this union is formed now? Yeah, I think that's kind of a long question, and it relates to a lot of conversations I'm sure you guys have all been listening to go on since really since the quarantines and everything began, uh, which is that people realized pretty quickly that nobody is going to be paying their rent on April 1st. Can you, uh, have you guys all heard about this? Have you been engaged in this conversation online IRL? Mm, I mean, yeah, somewhat. You've heard about the so-called rent strike. I've heard about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that it's a, a generous description yeah. of people not being able to pay their rent. Well, sure. Um, well, so, you, well, yeah, go ahead, Brendan. Well, I, I want to kind of 
go ahead. Go ahead, Ricky. I can't see you very well, so I don't know what you're doing. It's, it's, <laughs> All right, oh, so I was terrible. I would just like for us to, you know, kind of lay out what this argument has been about. Because on the left, with housing people in particular, this has been an actual argument about is this a rent strike and what is the utility of that right now and uh lansing tenants have come together and kind of found a way to resolve that but i'm curious to what other people think from the outside before i go into that brandon my my perspective on it is i think that we are in a situation right now where Tenants don't have to be worried about being threatened to be sent evicted, yet landlords continue to threaten to evict people. Mm. And so what it takes is us banding together and saying, oh, well, you can't evict us. You're being assholes. So now let's figure out how to work together to get the solution that we want. We've never yeah. been able to do this because we have always had the threat of get getting kicked out on the street. Yeah. Now we don't have that anymore. Yeah. And we've Temporarily. got to use that. Temporarily, but so it's I, I think that's a great way to think about it. I want to, you said like some magic words for me that I want to kind of pounce on. Uh, I've seen this a lot and I've been in some debates with other housing organizers elsewhere about this. Uh, a couple of DSA affiliated chapters and tenants unions elsewhere have used this concept of we're working with our landlords. Um, and a lot of people saying this are, are people who are skeptical of the rent strike in particular. I, I want to be clear. And, and as tenant organizers, we, we do talk to landlords like this. We tell them everything that we're asking for, for the most part, everything that we demand of the state are things that help most landlords, almost all landlords. We would love to see uh, a serious mortgage suspense, suspension. We want to see money in everybody's pockets, right? All of these things yeah. help regular ass landlords, right? But what we're actually doing is not working with landlords. Uh, never, right? A tenants union is never organized with landlords. We're organizing together to put pressure on landlords to organize with each other on our behalf and on their own behalf and put pressure upwards. I think that, I mean, it sounds kind of um, pedantic, but I think it really matters as a leftist, especially like I'm not going to fucking show up and organize with a landlord under any circumstance. <laughs> you know, so th that language matters. Um, well, yeah, I mean, uh, like labor unions don't like right, work exactly. with their fucking bosses. Exactly. We put pressure on them and, you know, most well, unions, I mean, we do, we do on the union. sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Most of us make a lot of concessions because we have this model of unionism that where we want everybody to benefit in the end. Right. That's what it's supposed to look like. Uh, but we're not working with them. Right. And if it wasn't for this concept of negotiation, we wouldn't have to, you know, beg for incremental little bits anyway. Right. Um, really, what we want is a liberated tenants movement. We want like rights. We want a totally restructured relationship to housing and landlords don't want that and they will never want that. And they are never going to be on our side. However, we do all literally want the same things right now, right? We want money in our pocket. Uh, we want not 10,000 vacancies in the city. And we, I mean, I think it's, you know, regular people need mortgage protections as well. I don't see the sense of having one or the other. Most states, it seems like, has been have been putting either an eviction moratorium or a foreclosure moratorium, not both, uh, when we need to see both, right? That protects uh, the tenants of landlords if, if in the 
if the landlord happens to have a mortgage on the property where the uh, where the renter is renting, they usually don't. They tell you they do, but they normally pay with that shit in cash, uh, and th that's public record. Uh, you know, and we, so we want to see that, and we also don't want to see a second uh, mortgage crisis, right? We do not want this to hit uh, low-income homeowners, uh, and without pairing our eviction moratorium that we have in the state with protections for for homeowners. It's going to be just as ugly, I think. Um, but in, the, in my capacity as working with tenants, I don't actually care that much, right? This is about renters and uh, imbalance of power at the local level. So who uh, who started this Lansing Tenants Union? Nobody, nobody started it. Uh, it was a uh, yeah. So it's kind of like a backwards development. None of what we're doing right now is the way we are supposed to be doing things. Uh, but nothing we're going through is anything we've ever gone through before. Um, at the local level, I'm on Twitter everywhere. But on the at the local level, like last week, we were seeing people we don't know who they are graffitiing rent strike on the building on buildings, right? We saw a couple of different organizations toy toying with this co uh, concept of a rent strike. And I was working with people affiliated with DSA and some housing policy groups I had already been working with. And people were seeing that this was getting promising, but it wasn't going to go anywhere if nobody did anything with it. So um, a, a group of tenants had come together, mostly based on the east side. This was um, pe people on the east side have been talking and lightly organizing for a while now because of the like severely ramped up attitude of landlords that we've been seeing locally. Uh, threatening letters have been coming for weeks now. Um, just sort of harassing messages, Facebook yeah. posts and things. They were Landlords were scared. And what happened was that tenants started to talk to each other <laughs> about their landlord's bad behavior, something that wouldn't have happened if landlords could have just shut the fuck up, right? Right. Uh, and so it was actually a surprisingly organic um, sort of organization that happened in a you know, in lieu of the tools that we need to do regular tenant organizing, which is knocking on people's doors. In my opinion, this was able to happen. You know, a few dozen people were able to get connected in this way quickly because of, you know, networks that already existed on the east side, but especially because of what happened with the service industry. Most of the people who got on board with this really quickly, quickly are service industry workers who either just lost their job or all their hours or they're being, being you know they're in a shitty circumstance where they're an essential worker putting their life at risk for like crisis takeout delivery right yeah. um and it was those labor networks in my opinion that were able to kind of really quickly map on people know each other's landlords on the east side um a couple of landlords own a ton of houses there's a particular landlord i can think of who owns like half of one end of a street on the east side um and these are so-called small landlords right they're not they don't look like corporations but they're they're guys who own 10 to 25 houses on oh, the east we're side talking, we're talking there are landlords in yeah. this city you would not yeah. expect are landlords who own 800 yeah. homes yeah and there's guys who are like i'm just just a family man i just want to own a couple of houses to make my living and then you look it up in the property assessor and you're like how many house, houses do you own right and then they act like normal guys and they're treating you know they'll the we'll see emails that are like if you can't pay your rent, it's fine. As long as you pay it by April April eighth, then I I won't I won't sue you, right? You know, or uh, we saw we saw one in particular that was like, 
Uh, we understand you guys are going through some hardships right now. Um, that's why we decided to waive any credit card fees on your rent payment this month. <laughs> so, you know, so th that's actually exactly how tenant organizing happens. But normally it can't happen just online. It really can't. You, you, you also need to think we're, we're at this interesting intersect right now where we have a political left on the east side that mm -hmm. is very good at organizing. We have been organizing for years and years and years and years, and we're really good. We got a fucking city council yeah. person elected. And then on the other side of that, you have 20% of the workforce or 30% of the workforce who lives in 50% of the homes in Lansing that are renters that are unemployed right now. Yep. Brandon so with the statistics. Yeah. Is you have a whole bunch of organizers who can organize those people yep. who can join the union, don't have to join the union, whatever they decide to do, they're still not going to pay rent. Yeah, and exactly. So it only takes 15, 20 organizers to push a political message while there's sure. this rental crisis going on. Boom. Okay. There's power. Let, that's exactly the point. Let me back it up so I can explain that a little bit better. So normally what you would do with tenant organizing, you know, an example of what you might do is you would identify a problem, start to talk to your neighbors. This looks quite quite similar to regular union organ organizing, workplace organizing, right? You would be very cautious. You would work for a while to, to get people, for example, to sign a letter. And you would target uh, one landlord, the owner of a building, or maybe one street. And this would take some time and you would have to, you would need to make sure that you had a lot of strength through your, you know, um, the strength of connectedness and some resources, et cetera, the things you need to make a union work. Because what happens is once you go and make that action, let's call it a rent strike. That's a very, that's a very big action, right? That's not a very mundane tenant uh, organizing strategy. You want to do a rent strike. You want to say until my landlord does X, Y, Z, where nobody in this building is not going to pay rent. That can't succeed unless pretty much everybody in the union participates, just like a regular strike. And it can't, it's really hard to get to that point unless you can make everyone believe and really feel comfortable that you can protect them, that we have enough power here just through the collective that we're not all going to be on our ass. And the deal is that what happened right now was backwards. People had been fighting online about whether this counts as a rent strike if it's just people not not paying their rent, right? Which I think is a sort of uh, valid uh, form of pedantry, right? Like, I think it matters. But instead of just telling people, don't be silly, don't do a rent strike, that's dangerous, this isn't real organizing, uh, what happened in Lansing, similar to what happened in other cities, is we saw all these people who said, it doesn't fucking matter, I can't pay my rent, or I'm just not gonna because I'm fed up, or... I need to save this $800 that I have to feed myself. Um, and the state says you're safe from eviction for a couple of weeks, you know, kind of a sad couple of weeks, but it's something, something we've never had before. And people are like, all right, I guess I'm not paying my rent. And so what organizers and neighborhoods, uh, you know, workers and neighbors had to do was take that energy and turn it into a tenants union instead of the other way around. So that's what the Lansing Tenants Union is doing. It already had this kind of, it already had this commitment. It had a level of commitment that takes a really long time for organizers to get people to under normal circumstances. And it already had an action that people were doing regardless. So what that looks like um, right now is that the tenant unit union, um, it like officially uh, incorporated, let's say very recently, 
with mostly east siders but we have a lot of downtown people and people all over the city who are looking to really bring their neighbors in when we can do that safely and what the 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 tenants union has done is in the model that a couple of other cities have been doing we've been helped by other organizers and other tenants unions we prepared a form letter that says my name is so and so i'm a member of the lansing tenants union and because of the crisis that you might have heard is going on i will not be paying my rent this month um you know, and our, our says something like, I hope you understand that we have to prioritize our health and safety at this time. And then it gives the phone numbers of some union representatives. Um, and me and Ross, friend of the pod, Ross, uh, are those representatives right now, which means I'm the person who get who your landlord is screaming at. And that doesn't protect anybody, right? This is scary because I, everyone we talk to, we say right now on April 1st, we can't promise you that you won't get sued. We have no idea what's going to happen in May. But we know that without coming together as a union with a lot of people, a lot of people making commitments to stand together, then we can't do anything. We can't protect anybody from anything whenever this clears up. So y'all with me? Does that sound... I'm, I'm waiting for that the big question. That yeah, sounds good. It sounds dope I'm waiting as hell. For, for the big skeptical question where we always hear as organizers. What's that question? How do you have money for it? Well, we don't need the money right now, but the, the answer is... I know, I'm just kidding. That's my how skeptical gonna, question. How are you going to pay for it? Right, so from the city government. As organizers, uh, those of you who were involved in Occupy might remember this. People ask, what are your demands? It doesn't sound like you have any demands here. Oh. And, and that's what's uh, unique about what's going on right now is that people aren't demanding necessarily something. Normally, we're de demanding something from our landlord or maybe our city government. Um, so, you know, you have a bunch of tenants in a building. The landlord just fucking sucks and won't fix everything. They go on strike and say, we won't pay our rent until you fix the lights or whatever it is. Right. Or yeah. quit raising our rent. Get rid of these fees. Uh, stop being an asshole. We're not doing that. Nobody here is doing that. Um, what they want is something much bigger than landlords can necessarily provide long term. And it's also really importantly something that the city government can't provide, which is they want to not have to pay rents for the month of April for any month that they are unemployed um, and, you know, not working and we're not running an economy. Why am I paying rent? And why, what, what the government at the state level has handed us is you don't have to pay rent right now, but whenever we open up again, you have to pay that month's rent and this month's rent. It's debt. It's tenant debt. That's what we're running on. And people want, they That's want two beautiful. things. They want what we would call something like uh, rent suspension or what a lot of groups are calling rent zero, which means we don't pay rents during the pandemic, right? We aren't. We don't owe rent later. We don't owe late fees. Late fees are the major yeah. thing people have been saying. They've been saying, "I I don't mind taking this risk, but I'm really worried that I'm going to have to pay all these fees, uh, you know, in May or June or October. I don't know." And the deal is that in Michigan, Brandon knows this very well. We can't go to City Hall and say, "Hey, tell landlords they can't pay fees. <laughs> they can't charge fees, right?" Because it's illegal at the it's uh, banned at the state level. It's for municipalities to regulate the rent that is collected, um, which is something uh, that is true in a lot of states. So, right. So that's those preemptions. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Right. I don't like that either. I, uh, if any of you, I think it's gotten a lot of circulation. One of the announcement posts that's going around Facebook that I wrote talk, talks a little bit more about preemptions. They're one of my like 
favorite pet issues. The rent control preemption started popping up in the 80s. They're by and large written by literally by ALEC. There are laws at the state level that say, you know, lower lower uh, government entities can't can't pass laws that say you can't, you know, that regulate how we collect rent or whatever on private rentals. We have these kinds of laws. Again, they're usually they're dreamed up in these uh, these um, like you know the 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 institutions that are like unions for corporations, right? Like, know, like think the, tanks, the, right? The indus- right, think tanks and industry orgs, right? Yeah. So the whichever whichever plastics org or whatever. Um, so rent control what rent control preemptions. This is at the center for all housing struggle, really, in the U.S. Not every state has them, but most states can't get anything that looks like like a like a new a new just way of handling housing, anything like meaningful affordable housing, unless we topple these preemptions. So that's you know that's not necessarily the demands we're making, but that's really the dream, right? That's dream number one. That's like you know, and that was part of Bernie's plan. That's something he really supports. Is because the federal government can go in and make a preemption that preempts preemptions, right? He can say states can't ban cities from banning things uh, or whatever. But yeah, so the, the the other famous, the most famous preemption laws I think happened around cigarettes when places started banning cigarettes. Um, the cigarette industry was like, "What if we banned banning cigarettes?" The lead industry did this with lead paint, and most recently, um, the plastics petrochemicals Im- industry have been doing this with plastic bags and straws. Uh, we have one of those. It was straight up authored by Dow Chemical Company. Mm-hmm. Um, Right. So that's that's what uh, I think the horizon looks like. And there are a lot of different organizational sets of demands going on around the country right now. But the fact is that we can't make small demands because of the political situation in our state and because of the uniqueness of all of this. We're not making really very many city level demands. We're not asking our landlord for something other than to, like, not be an asshole and just 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 eat this one like for once. Right. Yeah. Uh, we're and what that means is that we can't do it's not doesn't make sense to do a regular rent strike necessarily yet right we need to start thinking collectively with other organizations in other cities yeah and the the only way to really meaningfully do that the one way to do it is through forming a tenants union and joining networks of tenants unions in other cities yeah well yeah cuz the the crisis that we are dealing with is just so massive in scope um, and so, like, just so encompassing of uh, so many different aspects of society that it's really it's really important that we are organizing on a really, really large scale as well. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and smartly. So I have to say, um, I'm not like a queen organizer. I'm not a professional organizer. I hate that shit. I'm a regular unionist socialist who knows a lot about housing. Um, and it was stressful for me for those few weeks when I was hearing people say, I was hearing, you know, calls for a rent strike. And I was like, I don't want to be an asshole and be like, don't do a rent strike, but you need to know exactly what that that means. Yeah, I know. And I, I really, I'm strongly opposed. A lot of, you know, DSA chapters nationally elsewhere have done this. Other tenants unions have come right out and said like, you guys are all being stupid and childish and irresponsible. And I found that really insulting, right? Like to take this unprecedented moment of energy and be like, you guys are dumb and don't know anything about organizing. On the other hand, as I started to wade through that and talk to people, I was like, we have got to we have got to figure out a way to get a handle on this because people don't know housing law is complicated, right? People don't know what's going on. And if we have too many voices, then it's not a movement, right? It's just it's just a happening. Um, and that's why a union. 
Have you union unity? <laughs> have you been uh, have you been getting any kind of response from landlords? Have have any of them called you yet? I have been receiving, and I don't want to talk too much about this because this is their their details, the details of my of our membership. We have been getting some calls. It hasn't really ramped up too high too much yet, but landlords have seen the letter from people who have submitted it to them, and they've called me and been like, "What is literally what is this?" I had to explain to uh, someone what a what a tenants union is because I don't think Lansing has ever really had an, had them in a very long time anyway. Uh, and I was kind of caught off guard because I was like, I don't actually know how to explain what a, what a tenants union. It's a union for tenants. Um, you know, we're, it's not a nonprofit in this case. It's just literally a union for tenants. Um, and the thing, the deal with it is that I haven't encountered too many face to I haven't encountered any of those small, small scale villains, those guys we hate, you know, who are sending the mean emails, but I, what I found is that a lot of the people who are fielding these are just like middle management, right? In some property management firm and they don't know what to do. They've never seen anything like this before. They don't know what's going to happen any more than we do. They thought that they had a handle on this. They didn't see anybody <laughs> trying to act up like this. Um, so they've been like weirdly polite cause they're just like little, you know, middle you know middle management professionals who have never yelled at anybody except for a waitress in their life um and so so you know and I won't say we're in this together because we're not but again these are just like people who work for a firm I really don't mean that with my whole heart because I do conceptualize them as my enemy but that's what's going on these aren't like I'm not talking to Joel Ferguson on the phone yet um I'm talking to people who make like forty thousand dollars working for Joel Ferguson or whoever right so um, no so calls have... with uh, Pat Gillespie yet. So, yeah, I was gonna say when oh Pat calls, yeah, you tell know, him, tell him that you're not gonna talk to him until he says sorry in public to the woman he stepped on kneeling near the national anthem. I plan <laughs> on telling him that when he tries to All call right. me. All right, so I, I'm not. I'm not gonna comment on this one. Actually, I'm not gonna comment on this one. You should um, do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. This, this has been difficult for me because you know up until now we've been kind of socialist or I've been a free agent, and so someone like Pat Gillespie has been. Um, really abstract to me. It's just been, I could say whatever I wanted to about these landlords and I still will. We're not like cowing to anyone. This is only about the tenants and the people, right? But, um, yeah, these are real, real firms that can sue me. <laughs> they could sue me. Uh, keep your ears open podcast friends. Well, for, uh... The good thing is, is that I can't get sued by them because I'm defended by the city attorney, but <laughs> they could definitely sue me too. <laughs> The lawsuit issue is pretty interesting. This came up in some other cities pretty early when some orgs were like, hey, let's do a rent strike. And then they started to put up like rent strike flyers or whatever. And then the, the tenants orgs that existed, some of which might have been like centrist kind of liberal organizations anyway, but some of them were just very smart leftist organizations. They were like, you haven't accounted for people getting sued, right? We, we can regulate, uh, we can figure out a way to get the government to say to limit what the landlords can do to us to retaliate we can't really meaningfully stop them from suing us at this point right i can't say like brandon can you pass a law that says landlords can never exercise their right to sue somebody for money that they said that they would give them and didn't right well we haven't figured out a way to do that yet i would like technically, to. technically the courts are closed 
Right, right. So, but that's all we have, right? What happens on June 1st? What happens on May 1st? We don't know. Somebody, people are going to get sued. And the reason we have to build really a lot of strength really, really quickly, because we aren't going to ever have the money that they have. And this is a a misconception I I come across a lot when I talk to renters. They say, "Why why would this guy spend all this money suing me over money? He's going to lose money, right? Like, yeah, he is. It's not about money. It's, it's not. About it's about the power. Yeah. <laughs> it's about the power, right? They can't let us do this. As one of our organizers said, um, you know, and, and this, I, I must believe in my socialist heart to be true. Once people realize they don't have to pay rent, they're never going to do it again. Uh, and, that, you know, that's what landlords know that a lot of other people never knew up until now. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I want to backtrack and say, so this is not like, this is not DSA's project. This is a tenant union and tenants and workers project. But uh, I think of this as part of my work as with the local DSA's labor committee. And DSA has had a huge role in this. Uh, I've said this every single podcast this year, I think. If DSA, if the socialist organizations are not at the front of this movement, then we have failed. Um, and DSA has really, um, at least at the local level, I think, stepped up to support this in the same way that they stepped up to support the mutual aid network. And this is mutual aid too, right? It just looks different. Yeah. The other organization that we have been relying on is a group called Solidarity and Defense, which does rapid response work, usually around, I think, um, you know, police-related things and immigration-related things. Mm-hmm. Rapid response. Do you, any of you guys work with rapid response orgs at all? We don't have that. We don't have that many here. Uh, most of the people I know who work in rapid rapid response, the work that they do is they they'll find out that ICE is coming to um, knock on somebody's door, and you know they kind of assemble a team immediately, grab whatever legal resources they have to defend those people because it is that moment of arrest and then um, talk, going to the courts where people. It's most important that people have support, right? That's. Uh, I'm I'm not really speaking for them because I don't do this kind of work, but uh, they have our back and a lot of the on the ground work to get to people has come out of solidarity and solidarity and defense. A lot of our tenants work with that organization. Uh, and I think it's really cool because we're politically similar, but uh, structurally very, very different kinds of organizations. Um, and I, I love to see that coalition. So is uh, is the Lansing Tenants Unit? Uh, union is the Lansing Tenants Union. Um, is this uh, just for renters only, or can home homeowners join to show support? Uh, this is a great question. Uh, I think I'm being. Am I being called out here? I'm not a member of the Lansing Tenants Union. I'm just a spokesperson <laughs> and, and professional organization organizer because I live in an owned home. Uh, doesn't have my name on the deed, but I live in it. Uh, so the answer is only tenants can be a member of this union, but there are other things that homeowners can do to be involved. Um, so, and you know, I've gotten this question a couple of times. Um, most of the things we need right now are just solidarity and sort of, uh, public facing support. We also, you know, we've gotten a couple of organizations that have stepped up to offer this, but what we're seeing right now is a real desperation for legal aid uh, because the places we would normally get it, um, they're either just closed or they're swamped, right? And that's going to continue to be true. Mm -hmm. So if anybody out there is a tenant 
a housing lawyer who wants to work for free, that would be excellent. That's the kind of support people need is uh, meaningful support and and shows of solidarity. It's the same thing as a union, right? How do you, what do you say when a union is uh, doing an action? How do you support them? You uh, don't be nice to Pat Gillespie. You honk your horns when you drive by. You put signs in your yard. Um, you call your representatives when we ask you to. Um, and you tell people good things about the organization. I'll probably think of more later. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's, we don't, that we don't is know yet. the perfect list right there, I think. I feel a little under pressure right now to not be my normal shit-talking self. <laughs> I know. Doesn't that shit suck? It's like, ah. Uh, yeah. I, I gotta be want somewhat it. professional on this call. Brandon, you do a lot of shit talking. You really do. <laughs> I know. I'm always I very know. surprised by like whenever whenever Brandon so, comes so, on the show. So check this out. So check this out. I've got a landlord who is like we're on good terms we both hate code enforcement at the same amount Fair but enough. he keeps he keeps sending okay. me all this data he's been doing like all this research on how oh, no. his tenants so he can send me this data to show me that tenants are actually pretty happy and i'm like dude i'm a fucking tenant i'm not an idiot I know how tenants feel right now sure, i'm in the yeah. same position like i i like you as a person but you and I are never going to be on the same page with yeah, the, where you're a, employed. That's how I'm, it works. I'm, I'm going to be a little Marxist here. It's a fundamental contradiction. And it, it, can't be it can't be resolved this way, right? This is going to take us to the end of history. And it's just about you and the guy who lives next to you who owns your house. That's it. Maybe the bank. Everybody's yeah. landlord, the bank. Um yeah, so Ross and I, friend of the pod, Ross Fisher, uh, Brandon's right-hand man, we talked about this a little bit because, you know, this the, I have a lot of we have a lot of responsibility to do right by our tenants, but one of those responsibilities is not to defer to other organizations that aren't always going to have our tenants, you know, interests at heart, right? We're not a nonprofit. We're not trying to please multiple type, multiple people. We're not trying to look good so that we can get grant money, right? We only want to come together to demand things that tenants need. So if that means, you know, and I, I want to work with a lot of these organizations and I want to really pressure them to do the right thing finally, right? Nonprofits, uh, the land bank, right? All these grants issuing organizations. These are things that if you've worked on housing stuff with me, before, you know, I'm very um, skeptical of and I feel pretty uh, I don't believe that they are the future for the left movement, um, all these other housing nonprofits. But right now we are going to need them because they're the only thing left with resources. And it's we finally have the power to pressure them to do something meaningful, something more than tiny houses. Right. Something more than teaching people financial responsibility so that they don't get evicted. Right. Um we need I need I need people. classes to help teach me how to use money that I don't fucking have. Exactly, right? And this this is our this is our time and and I want to work with those organizations and I already have and they've been generous a lot of them. They've really been listening and that's what that's it's their time to listen cuz right everybody in the world knows that housing nonprofits fucking failed, right? We're in this moment where they all obviously fucking failed to to anticipate this to protect people. They've never moved us an inch forward on the situation of housing in America and the time is now if they if they want to go forward if they want to be part of the future they have to listen to us and I think we have a chance to get them to do that 
And I'm not going to not go on the podcast and shit talk their policies just to be friends with them because they need to listen to regular people and what their demands are now. Right. hundred percent. We have to open up shit talking. I swear to God, people cannot be afraid to say sh- to say shit that's true. We can't I, live like that anymore. I, Leave I, that in the past. I shit talk so much, but in cer- certain circle, it's only in certain circles do I do it. Because- you know, I, tr- I can be a little bit of a bitch privately, but I really try. You know, my shit talking—it's almost all—it's frequently righteous, right? And I want to—I don't want to be afraid to say say it in public, right? It's true. It matters. I'm gonna say it on the podcast. And on Twitter, and I'm gonna regret it later, probably. But I was right. <laughs> no, uh, if you're right, shit, that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shit, shit talking is praxis. Mm-hmm. It is. It this is. is about the truth. Can I talk, uh, Brianna Gray Joy? Sorry, that's the uh, Joy little, Joy Gray. Oh, Joy Gray. Joy Gray. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I'm a I'm a little halfway into a Negroni right now. Um, speak, oh, speaking of, to bring this choice. back to the to the pod. Um. I've been watching her take a lot of shit as usual, but in particular the past few days, if you guys have followed all of that and yeah, time out, time out, time out. I am a frequent listener of the pod and you guys talk about some weird shit sometimes. So back up just a second and let me know what's going on with right. Brianna. Right. Is Bur- this, this is, this is Bernie is, shit. This yeah, is Bernie Brandon, shit. do you know who Brianna Joy Gray is? Yes. Wait, I okay. Know who Brianna okay, Joy okay. Gray is. is this about the Kamala Harris thing? Yeah. Oh, hell Yeah. She's getting like she's getting like Cointel proed by a bunch of by a bunch of K hives. Because she said, "What the fuck did she say?" She 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 asked, uh, "Is this what happened?" She she asked Kamala. She was like, "Do you think that people should die of diabetes or cancer because they don't have health care?" And then everyone was like. I don't even know what family member is it. I'm not trying to dare you. They're like, how fucking dare you? What? What? So a member, a member of Kamala's family died, uh, died of cancer. Correct. Is it her her father? I I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not trying to downplay that because that, that shit matters to me too. But that, that, that was just so fucking craven and low to, to get pissed at her for saying that when like some, you know, if anything, Kamala should never want Right. Okay. I'm going to bring up a personal example because it's kind of on my mind, right? Um, Given what's going on here now. Uh, My mother died from some, you know, chronic illness, but lung related infections during the, you know, infections that were going on during the water crisis in Flint. And she died on a ventilator. So the the shit that's going on right now is extremely stressful to me to listen to. Um, But what if I was to be like... You know, um, what if Matthias, you were you were to tweet? Do you want people to you know have to die alone on a ventilator because you won't do policy to stop yeah. this from from? And I was like, that's so insensitive of you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh like it's just. Oh my god, I it's just love horrible. Twitter. No, I mean I <laughs> well, hate it. I hate it, but I love that it's like you can no matter what you say, it's like. How right. fucking dare you? So just Which, just to like, back up for a second, I'm this both. this happened because this happened because Kamala tweeted about how there needs to be testing and treatment for everyone right. for, uh, free. Right. for free for free for free cost anything. Yes, yes. And then Brianna Which, Joy Gray responded by asking what about diabetes, yeah, diabetes and, and cancer, Other Which is, goddamn Which is, thing. Which is a great what about right? 
but you know, so people have been going insane on Brianna and her. I've always thought this about her. I try not to get too invested in all these campaign people. I don't really give a shit about them, but she's such an inspiration to me, the way that she handles this shit, because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. almost all of the time, at least at least this year, from what she the way she's been, she just fucking says it. She doesn't care. She is always trying to say the true and right thing. She's not necessarily yeah. trying to dunk on people, although she successfully dunks on people all the time because they're fucking dumbasses. Uh, but she just wants, she has her head just like straightforward to what needs to be done, right? She always, no matter what heat she's going to take, she says the thing that needs to be said. And I don't think a lot of people do that. And she has, no. she's just so like elegantly bitchy about it all the time. It's just like an absolute inspiration to me personally. <laughs> Yeah, no, she exactly the thing we need. She really goes off. Like she, she mm-hmm. actually does fucking rock. Mm-hmm. I can't think of anyone better that Sanders could have selected for his national press secretary. Rashida has a lot in common in this. Like mm-hmm. when yeah. I mean, she she has missteps. She's an actual, you know, she's a politician. So, but you know, when when people are like, you know, why did you say that bad thing? She's kind of like, I meant it. Like <laughs> it's true. Yeah, <laughs> I'm right, which I love. These are, these are my uh, strong women icons. <laughs> yeah, gutsy, gutsy women. Mm-hmm. Mostly from Detroit. That's ideal. Nice. Yeah. Um, I saw RoboCop the other night. <laughs> Speaking of Detroit. <laughs> I'm watching Better Call Saul right now. It is a fucking badass show. It is I a good really series. I like that show. I hate I Breaking love, Bad. I love that they're doing a fucking lawyer show. I know. I know. It's Listen. So good. I have such a pitch. I know that all the listeners to this are probably young men all the people listening to me right now are young men who do like breaking bad i hated breaking bad i did watch the whole thing but i didn't like it i thought it was gross and exploitative and just this um nasty like fantasy of killing brown people and i absolutely couldn't believe how they turned that universe into the show that's the exact opposite right it's the exact opposite it has all this moral ambivalence it's often very boring and dry and procedural um, and it's like directly challenging, like all the themes of Breaking Bad that made me hate it. It's such a good show. Yeah. It is really good. I very rarely go off in support of a of a dumb uh, drama show that everybody likes. But show's good. It also has like a very good shut in character that I strongly related to. Oh, I remember. Matthias, what did you think yeah. of RoboCop? Um, I thought it was fantastic because <laughs> I was told beforehand that like Paul Verhoeven. Uh, makes intentionally shitty movies. Um, at least you know in the case like this, the Starship Troopers, that it's like you know the performances that he is like getting out of these actors are like very flat and you know blah blah blah. Uh, and so I was like, this is really cool conceptually, you know. Um, the whole uh anti uh law enforcement kind of message that is coming from robocop if you fucking read it correctly but i was like oh man is this just gonna be like a shitty movie that conceptually is very interesting uh but no i really i really enjoyed it and i loved i loved how terrible the acting was it was amazing uh, the villains were actually uh, ah, fuck the guy. The guy who plays the dad in that '70s show, he was actually good. Uh, but everyone else was just like, um, yeah, like an NPC in a, a cop <laughs> game or something. You know? It's fabulous. It's uh, 
And squibs kick ass. <laughs> yes. Um, before we before we kind of uh, shift gears again, I just wanted to uh, ask you, Ricky, uh, where can people find out more about the Lansing Tenants Unit and how to get involved? Yeah. Okay. So the quickest way to get a hold of us is sorry, LansingTenants at gmail dot com. We have a, a forum that you can fill out as well if you want to. Um, you know, submit uh, to ask us to join what we're looking for. We're looking for support. Obviously Uh, we do have a closed Facebook group right now, which is called Lansing tenants, um, which is, we're kind of selective about who gets in there and we're working on more web presence. We have a Twitter, which is Lansing tenants. Um, If you would like to join, what we need is just to know that you are a renter who lives in the city of Lansing. That's it. Um, Because we have organized in some areas already, but since we're doing everything backwards, we're just ready to hear hear about what's going on where you live and seeing what we can make out of what you have. We also, I want to say this now, today we have discussed, um, we weren't considering moving into East Lansing, but we have a couple of organizers that we know that are ready to make the commitment to see what people need in East Lansing. So if you do live in East Lansing and you are a renter, uh, shoot us an email and we'll at least get you involved with us until we can commit to to being able to do things for you. Um, yeah, so Lansing Tenants at Gmail is the quickest way. And on the next episode of the pod, I'm hoping we'll have like a website that everybody can hit up. Uh, this is moving very quickly, uh, like everything in America yeah. for the last month. I was going to say, well, it, it fucking has to. Um, yeah. And well, Seriously, it just, um, just join right now if you are a renter, and we'll, we'll figure the rest out later. We aren't collecting dues or anything at this time. We just want to show that we have people and can defend ourselves by working together. It's, it's all about the union, the, the number of bodies. Very cool. That's awesome. Um, I, I, before we close out the episode, I wanted to, sorry, will you, uh, will you cut out that little piece that she just said? I think that would go great on an ad. What did I say? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Uh, she said said just join. Are you talking about like, are you talking about like the promo for this episode or no, no, just just cut it out for me and send it to me. (laughs) Okay. Or you can put it at the promo. Whatever works. I think that that's a powerful statement, and I think that we need to echo that. And I think I, for one, am not going to remember everything that she said. I'm not going to remember anything I said. So that's uh... the reason I want that piece cut out, because we need to use that in the future. Can I add, you should uh, join the union in general in your workplace. Uh, Hit me up for help with that, too. Joining a union is very legal and very cool. I am proud. So so rewarding. I am proud to be a union member now. I am absolutely proud of that. I've wanted this for so long. Now now you can can nonstop reference it. God, do you think the UAW Mm -hmm. will be really pissed if I start going around saying I'm a union member? Or do you think they're going to say union strong at the end of every sentence? (laughs) You know, I was uh, joking about this when I was drafting some of our documents. I was like, is it okay if I say there is power in a union or is that like appropriate? It's It's okay. It's okay for me to say this stuff because I'm like uh, fiercely a, a labor unionist, first of all. Um, but it is—it's interesting because they're so similar, right? These are the same kind of types of work. They—they they really are both union work, um, but we haven't necessarily 
national uh, created these national organizations of tenant unions like we have with labor unions. So the po- the politics isn't there yet. So on, on a related note, uh, to close out the episode, I wanted to talk about uh, these uh, these uh, strike actions and protests that are happening across different companies uh, throughout the country right now. Uh, they include uh, like Amazon, for example. Workers are striking at Amazon. Uh, yeah, I believe is, Whole Foods not going well, is it? Well, Whole Foods is also. Uh, they I think they did a sick out recently. Uh, Instacart, the grocery Instacart, de- yeah. the grocery delivery, yeah, yeah. Uh, did a, is striking. Uh, GE uh, workers at GE are striking to are protesting to make ventilators um so i was just curious if you guys have been following these things and what where you think they're gonna go um i have been following them but very casually because i haven't stopped this other work in 36 hours um but yeah uh my first question for you guys is are people noticing this are they uh cross have you noticed your friends being like i sure need to order from amazon today or i mean my best story was i texted my dad he was like i need to buy this thing on amazon he sent me a link i was like you know that they're striking right i'm not crossing the picket line so i'm not i'm not doing that and he my dad who hates unions was like yeah, I don't want to cross the picket line either. Thank you, son. Tell me when it ends. <laughs> that's a, like, you know, yes. <laughs> that's a great illustration of why Amazon is just a, a potentially really good target. Because people who don't care about unions, even regular people, Brandon's dad, they're like, yeah, I could, I could see hating Amazon. That makes some sense to <laughs> yeah. me. Like, yeah, I, so, I, um, could, I could wear that opinion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it... <laughs> Seems pretty trendy. We've had, when was it last year, I think, that there was the strikes in Minnesota at Amazon, um, and it was very difficult. Every time, Amazon in particular, every time there's a labor action and you try to tell people, like, don't shop at Amazon, there's so much fucking resistance from regular-ass people who are not billionaires. They're like, but I need it, but... You know, and I, I do a lot of stuff in like the um, in disability activism, a lot of online like disability thinking. And this is always a huge point of contention because the second you say don't shop at Amazon for literally like four days, then the like kind of mainstream uh, how, professional disability advocates are like, fucking you know, dare you. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's upsetting to me because it's not fair. Because and they're always like, "What about people who are homebound, right?" And when the last, I'm pretty sure when the last uh, Amazon strike was happening, I was that person. I didn't leave my house, right? I was the person who needed Amazon. I don't drive, and and it was just so offensive to me to put the lives of people in in these positions. It sacrificed them just like to use me, right? To treat them that way, and I hated it. But now people are just like, eh. Like, Amazon is, like, the only place they can get things right now, but they're like, yeah, I don't need it. We're all at home. So, did you guys see that HQ2? So, you know, there's this big thing where Virginia gave a huge tax breaks right, to right, right. Amazon. They Amazon was supposed to receive $558 million from the state of Virginia, and today they said, nope, actually the reason Fuck. why we were doing this was for talent attraction. You can keep your money. It's like these evil fuckers. Oh my god! You know how hard they worked to convince a whole bunch of people to give them five hundred and fifty-eight million dollars. I'm like, nope, don't even give a fuck. They're evil. They're evil. It's like the opposite of what happened with AOC, right? 
where I don't remember the details of this, but right, they were in Queen. It's Queens, right? Yeah. They were like, uh, "You have to give us X, Y, Z," and people, including AOC, were like, "No, we don't." And they came anyway, right? So that that idea that um, you have to, Brandon knows all about this, right? This idea that you have to lure them in with all these tax abatements and blah 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 is false because if they want to be there, they're going to come anyway, right? And they proved that in Queens, and this is the opposite, right? Virginia, wherever it was, they just groveled. And Amazon was like, I didn't need it. I just needed you to grovel. That was the the groveling was the point. These people aren't even fucking good at like working in the free market system that they like applaud so much. They're just like, damn, can we pay you money to set up a shop here? In a very lucrative market. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so the the free market is fake, right? They they just say that to distract you. It's a red herring, right? They don't believe in a free market. They believe in a I don't know what the what the well. I, I want to make a comment about neo right, like, right, like neoliberalism or whatever. But also just like all those guys have like extremely freaky like techno fetish uh, market ideas, religions. So it's its own thing. Those those like com- those uh conferences they have to talk about oh like that transhumanist <laughs> kind of shit uh, yeah Peter Thiel or whatever all that uh, shit yeah <laughs> yeah that's very very cool very cool anyway uh, ben, uh, to to answer your question earlier how how do I feel about them I think that there's power <laughs> in a union. Hell yeah, there is power in a union. Yeah. I just, I just want to, you know, like say the obvious stuff. Um, the Instacart thing is really important and interesting to me. I don't even know. I I barely know what Instacart is. I'm like old. I'm old. Uh, but I do know that my friends whose life sucks because of corporations work for those stupid fucking delivery apps, and I hate them. And I hate all that gig work shit. And what we talk about in the union movement is. The areas where the next, where we have the most power, these choke points, right? And we always talk about logistics, right? That's so important. And it's these gig worker, like on the ground, localized logistics things that that's, that's where this is going to count, especially right now. Those, those workers, like they have zero power, but they also right now have more power than anybody else in America. You all forget that we just um, expanded unemployment benefits, Yeah, which means all of a sudden you can strike and have 600 more dollars in your pocket. I've been talking to businesses in town today who have said it is more worthwhile for me, for my employees to close down shop right now because they can get more in unemployment employment than that i can pay them isn't that fucked up i mean i don't know what our, i, I yeah. mean, our government is now paying a yeah. living wage and Finally. these businesses aren't yeah yeah that's exactly true <laughs> i mean that's what um, it is the government is giving people a living wage if they've uh been dropped off and we are spending so much money on that we're giving twelve hundred dollars plus unemployment benefits to 30 percent of the fucking country that is like that is the government paying us to not work that's what they should be doing from day one yeah it's a beautiful Uh, model it is an awesome model (laughs) Uh, so what i want to i want to go back to what you're saying about people striking charger and quitting um what i like about this when it comes to these gig workers is first of all like 
I love it when somebody is like, YOLO, fire me. I don't give a shit. That's like, I really encourage that behavior. I love quitting a job. I like my job, but there's nothing I like more than quitting a job, storming off, great stuff. Uh, and I love to I love to see that really, you know, the precarity that is all of these jobs allows people to do things that people in other fields can't do, right? You're not making any money anyway. Uh, you're gonna, you have no guarantee. There's no job security anyway. Go on strike. <laughs> Fucking do it, right? YOLO. YOLO. YOLO, <laughs> literally. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I've never quit a job in, I, I mean, I've, I've quit jobs before, but I've never quit one in defiance. It's always been <laughs> like, <laughs> I found something else. So yeah, yeah. bye. Has some pretty my sorry I shouldn't say his name my husband has some pretty defiant quitting stories because he is uh, a little dramatic himself. Um, well, I think that's gonna I think that's gonna do do it for us this week um, or for this episode, uh, which I believe is a bonus episode. This is a bonus episode. Uh, do you guys have anything else you wanted to share or talk about before we go? You know, you know, one thing that I, I want to bring up is how important this show is and how important <laughs> uh, <laughs> donations are to this show. I will tell you what, I give a donation to the show and they let me on the show. I mean, <laughs> all you got to do is give a little bit of money. It has, is that a perk? It, yeah, a yeah perk? Brandon, you being on the show has nothing to do with the fact that you are friends with us. Or that you are uh, that you are a public official. It's just because you're the top donor. Yeah, it's just because you no, give I, us the I, most money I every started, month. I started donating to the City Pulse because I really like the news that they give, and I want to support them. And I'm like, I wonder what they're going to have to do to make sure that they don't, because they like me, right? So they're already writing good things. They're going to start shitting on me now that I'm giving. They them have money. a couple times, right? They've done some hit pieces. They've done one hit piece, and it was written by somebody from another city. I found out. <laughs> It was just ghost written. Well, didn't they? Didn't That's they? So didn't they endorse your campaign when you were running for yes. office? They, they endorsed me fully. <laughs> Brendan Betts, friend of the paper. Um, <laughs> well, everyone listening, everyone yes. listening to this right now is already a patron because this is a patron-only episode. So, oh, yes, for for patrons <laughs> like Brandon. <laughs> well, how, how quick are you going to open it up? Because I do want to advertise about this. Shit. Um, I I'd be willing ooh, ooh, I'd be willing to unlock out, this down piece. the road. Cut out cut out that piece and throw it into a thing. <laughs> Everything that she said. Give, I mean, give Ben like preview. Brandon, Brandon, just give Ben twenty dollars if you want him to do extra editing. Just send him twenty dollars right now if you want want to give him an, an editing project. Or give me give me your computer. Give me your computer. Yeah. Well, I already offered you my computer. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. All right. So so, you're so doing listen, listen. some real Democrat negotiating, Ben. He already offered the computer. (laughs) (laughs) You know, sounds good to me. Great. I I know we're a bunch of pod, uh, except for me and Brandon. Okay, so just Matthias and Ben. This, you know, I know that podcasts are a bunch of like fail sons, right? But or whatever, right? They're not like they're just some young men, dirtbags. But the truth is that like Ben in particular, the, you know, these are the workers that I talk about when I talk about the workers in the economy right now, right? These are the people who are getting fucked over. Everybody's getting fucked over. But uh, I've said this maybe before, but. Uh, you know, when I do labor organizing and labor work, I think about Ben. I think about everybody in these shitty industries, uh, and I want to fix it, but I can't right now yet. So you have to give Ben cash right now. 
I will. I will you include the link to my. I'll include the link to my Venmo in the description. Please. <laughs> Hit Venmo and Cash App. Mm-hmm. Yeah, please Cash App. I'm a Cash App person myself. Uh, so I think I think that's gonna be it. So uh, we'll be we'll we'll be back hopefully with another episode uh, of the, another regular episode on. Well, I think Monday. Uh, we're going to tape it Sunday, but Monday uh, is when we're going to release it. I think we're going to be talking about, uh, Tiger King, uh, which should be, should be pretty interesting. I've, I've only watched like the first couple episodes now. Um, but it is, it's pretty batshit insane. I'm excited to listen to the podcast, not having seen it. (laughs) Well, it's, uh, it's been very, it's, I believe me guys, it's really, really, really nice to see, see you guys, even, even though it's through a zoom conference or, you know, through a video conference, it's nice to see your faces. The, Six the, feet, Brandon. The, Six can, feet. I, Sorry. can I, can I make a, a little quarantine observation? Yeah. Um, I had always heard that, you know, young people were so atomized, but it is hilariously fucking funny to me how much these boys on this podcast miss human interaction like on day two of quarantine alex was like i need to do a facebook call i was like this is so fucking hilarious uh they do not the the young men do not want to be atomized and um they miss the homies i i really do i really do (laughs) that's true well you guys take care be safe um every that goes for everyone who's listening to this please be safe uh wash your goddamn hands um and we'll be back we'll be back in a few days bye bye bye